living. Hey, who in the nineties caught a world? <laughs> oh, <laughs> who sang that song anyway? <laughs> who, who sang that song? I don't remember. It was Queen Latifah. Of course. Mm-hmm. Ooh, in the 90s kind of world, I'm glad I got my girl's head up. Well, keep your head up. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to pretend that's how I sound. <laughs> that's how I sound when I sing. <laughs> with another episode of Black Frasia straight in your ear holes. As always, as always, I'm joined by my producer, co-producer, my editor, the love of my life, the Night King, because he's so bloody white. Wow. (laughs) British Bake Off. All right, love. (laughs) How are you doing today? Babe, I'm not going to lie. I have my fro out today. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have my cuppa and my YouTube mug. Okay. I'm loving your t-shirt. I'm for repping. Those, for, for those at home, it's living single. Because we are living. Hey. I love when singers do that. When they're like, ah! Move the mic away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but I'm feeling all the black girl feels because of the special guest that we have today. And what a guest. <sighs> okay, you guys, I'm not going to be like, here are the hints. You saw the episode description. Yeah, and title. <laughs> yeah, it's very clear and obvious who our guest is today, as always. It's Alicia motherfreaking keys, you guys. And I just want to say... This is very intense because her team reached out to us. Damn, we made it. This is the first celeb guest slash team who reached out to us asking to do our show, babe. Mm-hmm. How does that feel? Feels really good. Yeah. We must be doing something right, eh? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all because of me. I also agree. And my sparkling personal. You're sparkling personality there? Okay. My sparkling personality. Mm-hmm. I agree. And also you, babe. You don't think so? No, I do. Why are you being all, I don't know, bloody fucking humble? Because that's who I am. I'm bloody British, ain't I? <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised I just haven't apologized yet. <laughs> 
sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, but I'm really excited because I have been a fan of Alicia's literally since I was 16. Wow. And I was in my parents' crib mm-hmm. watching. I used to, from school, race home from school, have to watch my general hospital. I have to watch my stories. Your Jen Haas. My Jen Haas. Anybody who... <laughs> Jen Haas was funny. But it was such a great show, such a great drama, such a great soap opera. There was a mafia that only had two people in it. Would you be ashamed if I, would I say I've never seen in a single episode? You've never seen General Hospital? No, I've seen it at the airport once, <laughs> like walking past from the TV screens, but I've never sat and watched a single episode. Babes, it is so good. Is it though? Yes. Yeah, so there's a mafia is led by Sonny Corinthos. How do you remember all these names? And do you still watch it? No. Are you sure? <laughs> I am bloody sure. <laughs> but there's Sonny Corinthos and his hitman was Jason, who wasn't a t- he was literally like a blonde white guy. And right. I was like, is he allowed in? <laughs> they allow blondes in the mafia? Uh, the Italian mafia, apparently so. Yeah. <laughs> And it was like, there's only two people in the mafia. Right. Just catch them. Hmm. They're the only ones causing all this commotion. In the hospital. Or just, no, so they were, they were like, they were like the docs. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's a lot of crime that went down at the docks. Of course. <laughs> it's where all crime happened. If there wasn't crime at the docks, the wire would have never happened. <laughs> I think the wire may have been a touch more realistic than, than General Jen Haas. <laughs> yeah. But nevertheless, after watching Jen Haas, I, of course, would do my black woman duty of watching Oprah mm-hmm. Winfrey. And I remember Alicia Keys, A Keys, guesting on the show, doing her song. Fallen. I'm not going to sing it because I'm not going to disrespect. I appreciate that. What if I just like launched into like a rendition of it now? Anyway, I'm not giving you time to talk. <laughs> but I remember her being on Oprah. She just destroyed it. Yeah. And it was so iconic. And then, you know, like her out, like just everything. Like she's just so iconic. <sighs> so many hits. Superwoman. Diary. Unthinkable. I'm ready. Oh my gosh. It's too much. Too much. So basically I was very excited that she she wanted to do the show. Um, and I feel like I want to talk about what is your favorite Alicia Keys song, babe? Ooh, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. I'll just go with the classic Empire State of Mind. Ooh, that's a good one. Just a classic. I mean, you just feel so proud. Mm-hmm. You feel excited about life. It's the soundtrack of your life, that song. It's like one of those songs where you just listen to it and you're like, you feel like you're you're walking down the street. You remember yeah. when we could walk yeah, down yeah. the street? Oh my God, <laughs> right? Um, but you just hear that song and it just makes you feel so inspired. So that's a great choice, babe. I mean, she's had some catalog. That's for sure. Yeah, it's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my favorite Alicia Keys song, thank you for asking. A pleasure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so tough because I love so much of her music. As I Am is such a phenomenal album. I think I might... 
Eight keys. She's got gangsta love, and when she did that with Eve, so iconic. Mm. I think I'm gonna do when she covered Prince. How come you don't call me? Ooh, I mean, her voice. She was like eighteen, nineteen when she wow. covered that, and just blew the roof off the place. Do you have a strong memory that you associate with listening to Alicia Keys? That is a great question. You should host your own podcast. <laughs> It's called British Bake Off's Bits and Bobs. Oh, that's a good one. That's really cute. Or British Bake Off's Bangers and Mash. <laughs> and it's all food recipes. <laughs> that's really cute. <laughs> um, a specific memory tied to Alicia Keys' song. Oh, my gosh. That's such a good good question. I mean, I will say one of the things is I, I wish I had seen her in concert. I was mm. really had no money for so long that I didn't go to concerts for like about 10 years of my adult life. 10 or 12 years. Um, I think <clears throat> Empire State of Mind would probably be like one of those because, you know, starting out doing stand-up in New York, it is hard. You make no money. Your diet is trash. Mm-hmm. You're living in a shitty apartment. And that is a song that we're, you know, I would think like, you know, one day I'm going to have a stand-up special and that's going to be the song that I walk out to. And so that would like keep me motivated, yeah. you know? So I think that song, I was just like, <laughs> It's just so like, it's such a perfect song. So that's probably the memory I associate with that song in particular. Um, Good answer. Thanks, vibes. But I really do want to say in all seriousness, this is such a phenomenal episode. Alicia's energy is just so wonderful. Even though we're filming it remotely, you can feel the warmth coming Mm -hmm. from her. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And she's so smart and thoughtful and generous and, and joyful. Yeah. And it was really good to like sort of have the discussion about her evolution as a person and how she is becoming more herself, mm-hmm. which is her autobiography that came out in March, New York Times bestseller, Ooh. by the way. Um, with you know, through the book and also her latest album, Alicia. Mm-hmm. And so I think people listening are going to really enjoy her, you know, sharing these intimate details and really are going to make them revisit her work in a more specific way. Yeah. So I'm really excited. I think Alicia liked me. I too. I do too. And I feel like she's going to produce my next album. I do not. <laughs> Hey, Keys, I'm coming for you. <laughs> I'm an alto, I think. You think? You <laughs> constantly sing and have no idea. I cannot play any instruments. Piano. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Yeah, I could do little twinkle twinks. Um, what's one, What are the other ones you were learning? Lean on me. And uh, I will walk five hundred. The Pretenders. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So those songs, those all on your album. Yes, it's gonna be uh, my first album. Is gonna be an album of covers because <laughs> I have no identity as. That's an trash. <laughs> but that just—it's because I I'm gonna have a new interpretation of these songs. That's gonna oh, just. God, no one needs a new interpretation <laughs> of "I will walk five hundred miles." <laughs> like no one's asking for that. I'm afraid, babe. It'll be the slow down version. It'll be the slow dance, the make out version. Mm-hmm. 
Right. It'll be the version they play on Grey's Anatomy when people are about to fuck. Is it going to have lots of like, ahs and ooh. Yeah. Do you think this album will chart? No. <laughs> no, it will. Okay, well, you know what? If Alicia Keys will not produce my album, I will self-produce. So to help self-produce. Yes. We have merch. <laughs> that was a segue and a half. If you want to help Phoebe support her dreams of self-producing her cover album of rethinkings of classic 2000 songs. Go to PhoebeRobinson.com. <laughs> Click on the merch tab. There's a t-shirt and a sweatshirt. Side. And soon to be an album. Yeah, soon to be. What should the, the, the title be? Shoulda, woulda, coulda. <laughs> <laughs> um, sizing is small to triple XL. So hopefully that works for you guys. And on all seriousness, I'm not doing an album. Maybe I do a stand-up album, but like music, no one needs to hear me sing. Thank God she's finally admitted it on record. But (laughs) (laughs) I never give up. I've noticed. Yeah. That you're not supposed to give up. No. Did you give up? No. I got you. Ooh! That's That's a story for another day. So without further ado, (laughs) here is Phoebe's conversation with the queen, Alicia Keys. In New York! (laughs) Hi, Alicia! Hi! (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me on Black Frasier. I am pinching myself I loved your book more myself. Oh. I loved your album, Alicia. I have loved yes! your whole catalog, honey. <laughs> so we're going to get into it today. And one of the themes I think is sort of like overarching for your life of what I know from the outside is we really have been a part of your personal evolution and growth mm. and to the woman that you've become today, which I think for a lot of people listening they're really inspired by and they're they're mm-hmm. so into that journey and want to learn more about it. Um, so I wanted to start by talking about your journey by discussing my favorite song off your current album, Gramercy Park. The Ooh. lyrics hit me to my core. So profound. I love the part where you say, I've been trying to be everything I think you want me to be. I've been doing all the things that I think you want to see. I've been trying to fulfill your every need. Now you're falling for a person that's not even me because I forgot about the person that I used to be. Alicia! Talk to to them. Just talk to them, (laughs) please. Talk to us all because look, We all, I mean, I don't want to speak for other people. I can only speak for myself, but come on, man. It's so, you don't mean, I love that song as well, because it really Mm -hmm. does represent, it does represent the growth that I personally have been able to find. And I'm sure, I'm pretty sure that many of us feel this way Mm -hmm. Um, because you don't mean to change. You don't, you don't. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not daily saying, okay, today I'm going to change. I'm going to be totally different than I ever was. And I'm going to be different. 
No, you're who you are. You're in your life. You're doing your thing. You're falling in love. You're meeting new people. You're trying to find your your tribe. You're trying to find people that understand you. You're looking for yourself. You're looking for the truth. You right. You you just in life trying to find figure it out. And and little by little, all of a sudden, you realize like, whoa! I shifted because this person liked it better like this. I shifted because my mother told me that I shouldn't do this. I shifted because at the job I can't act mm-hmm. like this. I shifted because. You know, I'm on television every day and I hear and all these people are telling me X, Y, Z, P, and I probably should do something different. You shift, you shift, you shift, you shift, you shift, you shift. And next thing you know, you're like, who am I? Mm-hmm. Who am I? And so in actually, in actuality, a lot of people have fallen for a person that's not even you. And it's not because you didn't mean to be you. It's because suddenly you shifted in these small amounts and suddenly you're, you aren't you or you don't even know who you are. So that's been a personal journey. And I really am now at a place where I am more clear about who I am and, and even can recognize when I'm starting to shift or fall into those same patterns. Because that's, mm-hmm. that's a killer. You're like, again, I'm here. How many times <laughs> do you say to yourself? They're like, seriously, I did this again. Like again, yep. I know this already. That that makes me the most mad. Like when you know it already yeah. and then you do it again. Yeah. I'm like, mm. so anyway, I'm so grateful that you connected to that because I, I really do love Gramercy. And I think it really represents the Alicia music and the evolution so much because of specifically, you know, how poignant those lines are. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, part of the reason why we do accidentally end up changing is because you're sort of conditioned Mm -hmm. like to get this job, to get this person, to get people to like you. You want to say things that are going to sound good to them. So Mm -hmm. sometimes that's in conflict with who you really are, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. Right. And we kind of we we as a culture have been taught to please. You know, we've been taught, yes, you're supposed to please the interviewer, right? The interviewer is supposed to approve of your answers. Yes, you're supposed to please the dean. The dean is supposed to approve of your answers. The teacher is supposed to please the teacher. The teacher is supposed to approve of your answer. Your parents are supposed to please your parents. They're supposed to approve on and on and on. And so, and so, of course, you know, of course, do we want to have fruitful, loving relationships? Of course, are we supposed to go around and just like, uh, you know, rebelliously just, you know, disagree with everyone for no reason. No, but we do naturally have this inclination to please everybody mm-hmm. and, and for them to approve us before we've actually approved ourselves, you know, and that's the practice I've been working on. Like, do you approve yourself first, mm-hmm. 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 you know, and yeah. then we can go on from there. Yeah. And you chronicle this in the book more myself um, where, you know, I forgot because I think I I remember when you went on Oprah and you were what, 19. So I think I was 16. And I remember watching me like, oh, my God, she's so cool. I love her braids. I was like in Ohio and like I went to private school and I could not have braids like that. But I always wanted to have braids like that. And, you know, so reading the book, like just you forget that you became so famous so young and you had so much pressure on you. You were, you know, you were putting out like incredible album after incredible album. And you were just writing about how you eventually got to a point where you just felt like you were pleasing everyone. You were just signing up for the work, not even really sure if you wanted to just have your schedule jam packed every day. And then you reach a breaking point where you're like, I have to get out. I want to go to Egypt. Can you talk a little bit about 
that low point where you realize, you know what, the way that I'm running my life isn't working for me and other people have to accept that I now know this and I want to do something different. Yeah, well, first, I didn't get to that part where I knew that it wasn't working for me. I just was mm-hmm. like, I was just finished. Like, I, I just yeah. couldn't function. My mind wasn't working anymore. I I I felt so lethargic. I, I didn't have a joy inside of me when I was doing things. It felt obligatory. Um, it was, I was robotic. I completely, you know, I, I, I didn't, it was, it was not good. I didn't even recognize myself. I didn't even know. All I knew was that, that time I described in my book where my closest friend, you know, you know, when someone is like checking on you, Hey, you okay. And they didn't really mean like, are you okay? Yeah. So you could go so deep. They were like, just checking like, you okay? And that one little, are you okay? I was so unokay that it just made me cry because I was so not okay. I was just a, a shred, a thread. Only a tiny thread was holding on, you know? And, and, and so that was when I, you know, she also said like, look, what's happening? If you feel like this, like take a break. And I didn't even think I could take a break. And that's how yeah. we get in life. We don't even feel like we could take a break. We we get a, a, a tiny taste, a sliver of success, and it feels like everything's going to be snatched away from you all the time, or someone else is going to get the opportunity that you didn't take, or you know, whatever. Again, these narratives that have been placed into our head that we believe. Um, and so I didn't even know how to take a break or what that looked like. And so finally, that's when the Egypt of it all came up, and that was something I really wanted to do. And I also actually went to Italy as well which was a bit like a, you know, a bit of a, a, a homecoming for me because my mother's Italian and obviously mm-hmm. my father is black. So I didn't even do that with that in mind, but my spirit knew, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, um, so yeah. And then it wasn't until I went through that entire trip and started to kind of gain some alone time and space mm-hmm. to think that I then realized, okay, a lot has to change and here's what has to change. And here's the type of space that I need to create or, Here's just the boundaries I need to place so that I can feel healthy. And, you know, I just, I never even knew I could put boundaries. Again, I was so young. I was so young that I didn't even, no one had told me that you can create your life, that you can, Mm -hmm. you know, you, and honestly, from the moment that we start anything, we can, we just don't know that we can. So that was the first time that I started to understand that you can shape things to be good for you. Um, and so I started to do that. That was, that was the very beginning. Yeah. So looking back at your younger self now, what is something you wish you could have told baby keys when, you know, (laughs) when all the success was coming and like your life was completely going to change? What is maybe some sort of wisdom or self-care nugget that you wish you could have shared with her? Well, I definitely, I definitely would have told her, it took me a long time to get to that place where, you know, I also shared it in the book where, where Oprah, Miss Oprah was the first one that gave me the concept of a resounding yes. So that if you didn't feel a resounding yes, you should say no. I didn't know how to say no at all. And I think a lot of us don't know how to say no still. And and also definitely not in our younger times, you know, when we're just starting something, we don't really know how to say no, because again, we were, we were taught to please and everybody's supposed to accept us. So how can you say no, you know? So mm-hmm. it's all a big cycle for sure. Um, 
I would I would have loved to tell baby keys that a little bit earlier again and 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 because it doesn't feel right if it doesn't a hundred percent feel right everything's not going to be stolen and swept from under your feet because you said no like yeah. that's okay I would have liked to learn how to say no sooner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all in due time and it's yeah. all for a reason, right? So I don't doubt the process. Um I was thinking we should get into that because I was thinking about that and meditating on that today. And 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 I think what else I would have told baby keys is just like yeah, just like like make sure you're having fun. You know, like mm-hmm. if you're if you're not feeling good, something's wrong. You know what I mean? It, it You shouldn't not feel good. Yes. Is things hard for sure? Does it take work for sure? Is it going to take sacrifice for sure? Sometimes are you not going to be sleeping? Okay. But you shouldn't be not having fun. And if you yeah. aren't having a good time or feeling good or feeling fulfilled, then, then you have to stop and look at what is that and why is that and maybe shift some things up and that's okay too. So maybe those are the two things I would have told baby keys. Yeah. Um, so speaking of fun, like what, what do you feel is a a moment that you can look back on now and go, Oh, I was so in my zone. I was so in my element. I was just so free and full of joy right now. Really? That's how I feel right now Mm. for the first time ever, Ever? like for real. Of course I've had moments. Don't get me wrong. I've had moments of feeling very free and joyful and, of course, I remember, you know, one time performing in in Paris and the very first time um, I was singing Empire State of Mind there. And I was so nervous backstage. because I was like, wait, are they even going to understand what I'm talking about? And then I'm coming out there and I'm talking about New York and we're like in Paris. I was like, is this going to go over right? And then when I was out there and everybody's singing at the top of their lungs and this beautiful moment that no matter language or culture or where we live or miles, we could be connected. I remember feeling so free in that moment. I felt so deeply in my power and connected and like purposeful and everything. So there's definitely been moments, but right now I feel like that more than I don't feel like that. And I'm very grateful for arriving to to this place. That's amazing. I want to talk about a couple other things in a second, but the last thing I want to touch on in the book that I really loved is sort of you discussing your journey and finding your voice, your voice within activism and how at first people were like, Oh, you should just stick with music. Just do that. You make people feel good. Like don't speak out about social issues and you kind of going, uh, no, I'm going to do that. Cause that's what, that's how much I care about these causes. And I think so many people right now, considering how, sort of overwhelming and negative the world is. I think a lot of people want to speak up and they're just not sure if they, they can, they're not sure if their voice is the voice that should be heard. And so I'm wondering if you could sort of discuss a little bit about the thought process you had that got you to the confidence where you could say like, no, I want to stand up for these causes and I want to make this a part of my platform. Like I'm not just music. I'm also a person. Oh my gosh, I went through so much personal anxiety mm-hmm. um, to find my way there. So much. I can't even tell you. I had to compartmentalize myself, I had to fragment myself so much because so many people who were, you know, big voices in my in my career and in, in the management and the guidance of it, um, were very adamant that, mm-hmm. you know, Alicia, 
And I got, I knew what they meant, but I don't think they saw the whole picture. They would say, you know, Alicia, if your music, you know, your music is what leads you to everything to be able to have these conversations at all anyway, you know, it has to be right. You, you have to focus on your music. And I got that. But anytime I'd be like, but I just found out about this and this is mm. happening. Like, isn't it my obligation? Like, isn't it my obligation to share that? People don't know this or people might not have witnessed it the way I did, you know, and they would be so against me doing that to the point of mm. making me feel almost like once again, that I would lose something or somehow it would be detrimental to me again, back to the approval, always, 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 somebody's always telling you that someone's not going to like this and therefore you shouldn't do it. Why do we get to that place where it's like, if someone else, God forbid, doesn't like what I say, why does that mean I have to silence myself? Why? You know? Mm. And so that was what I dealt with for a long time. And I wasn't strong enough to even stand up for it. And so I compartmentalized that I would do a little over here and then I come back to be an artist and I do a little over here and I come back to be an artist. And, and it was just so backwards because I was working extra hard. I was working so much harder separating them than yeah. allowing them to coexist. And so finally, after some years, I started to recognize, you know, some really powerful artists like the Nina Simone's, like the Curtis Mayfields, like the Marvin Gaye's, like the Bob Marley's, like the John Lennon's and, you know, people who they use their music as resistance, use their music as, you know, tools to share and to uplift and to and to, you know, share what was happening in the world. And and I was so moved by it when I would listen to these Nina Simone songs or these Curtis Mayfield's Superfly to this day. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't even believe the music. Yeah. I just, I can listen to it. A I've already listened to it a thousand times. I can listen a thousand <laughs> more. And I'm still shocked by the power of the music. So that was when I finally started saying, no, the artists that I love, they do this. This is, this is who they are. They live and breathe this. This is part of it. In fact, you know, you know, a, a Martin Luther King wouldn't even have had the opportunities had not a Harry Belafonte been in his corner so strong. It's like yeah. there is a real power in in what the, the access that music and the portals that music opens and how you can communicate in a way that people understand. And so when I finally own that power, that's when I was able to to not feel so worried about doing it together. So I think for those who are recognizing their power, which is. Mm -hmm. In a way, I think that's part of the oppression that we experience because we are taught, again, back to the pleasing, we are taught that we're not powerful or we're taught, we're not taught that we are, you know, we energy shift, you know, we do. Every single one of us, it doesn't matter if you're speaking to three people or 300,000 people, you have the potential to shift energy. And yeah. I personally believe that all of us can own that that ability and make it work in the for the best outcome you know what i mean so in that way i think that we all have that superpower and we all have that ability and we got to do it especially now more than ever because the energy is off it is oh not my good gosh. yep so it the feels... more oh sorry yeah please you first i was just gonna say it feels as though we're like it's not reality. Like there's some mornings where I wake up and I go, oh, everything, like I just don't. And then I remember Donald Trump and I'm like, 
Oh, oh no, now no, we're really really living this. That wasn't just a really long nightmare that I had. It's just it's so bizarre. I've never had this sort of feeling where I'm constantly questioning what's real and what isn't. Mm. I mean, I I I agree and that is a good question. What is real and what isn't real is a really good question. And I guess it's what we believe is what's real, you know? Mm-hmm. But the I think the part that shocks me so much and I'm trying to figure out, is it because I grew up in New York and because I'm mixed that maybe it shocks me more than it probably should. But I am Mm. deeply shocked by the amount of people that are so completely ignorant and racist. Mm. I I really I'm I'm, I'm like taken aback because the level of like hate or, um, you know, just complete desire to not even for one second open the mind or the the spirit or the heart to understand another person's story or experience just completely just shut up like no I don't no matter what my blanket answer is this yeah I I'm like whoa that is that's so nonetheless um that's the part that definitely shocks me a lot and but I do also know that there's so, so, so many people that are one growing, learning. Mm-hmm. I really do believe this. I do. I, I, the amount of people that I've talked to who have friends that are that they're they're like, Alicia, I had this conversation with a woman who I never before thought that we would even have these conversations because I personally wasn't even I, she would say things. But I would I knew she didn't mean them like that. So I would excuse mm-hmm. it. But now I don't feel comfortable anymore because I can see how that's stereotypical. I can see how that's racist and the ideas and I want to talk about it. That stuff that's happening within this, this the world to me is, I think, a big shift. Really. Yeah. I really do. And and even though it sounds little and small, I actually think that's a big one. So I, I, I know that the majority, there's a lot of people in the world that really are open-minded, are really um, care to learn, want to grow, want to be accountable for some of the narratives that maybe they've been taught that they didn't realize were misinformation or giving certain, you know, stereotypical concepts life. I, so I do see an opening and I, I am an optimist and I really hold on to hope because I, I know that we can find our way through. I, I really believe it, although it's a lot of work and a yeah. lot to be done. Yeah. Is hope, would you say that's at the root of the 1 billion fund, which is an initiative you just launched? Um, Can you talk a little bit about how that came about and what you're hoping for the future with it? Oh my gosh. That's one of my greatest focuses. I am obsessing about the whole thing. And yes, it, it, you know, it's a concept that many of us have been ideating. A lot of people are thinking about funds and creating them. And that's so good because we need as many as possible and it's all about, you know, for me, um, as we started to conceptualize it, it really is about this idea of sustainability. And obviously the focus is to empower Black America and that done through Black investments, invested by Black investors and for Black businesses, Black entrepreneurs, Black schools, Black banks, Black, black um, institutions. And so that yeah. it constantly refuels itself you know mm-hmm. and i think obviously we, we know 
that there is just, I think one of the things that's become so evidently clear, it's not, you know, it's not new news, but we know that just the, the level of um, diversity in so many businesses is just not, it's, it doesn't reflect yeah. the population. It just doesn't, you know, and, and, and we know that's step one. So these opportunities are so powerful. And, and, and I also know that there are so many institutions and corporations and organizations that do want to come to the table and they've already said, okay, we're going to donate this. We're going to donate that. But I think it's, it's more than a donation because a donation, although important and we, and there's many ways to attack the issues for sure. So no, no, there's not a wrong answer, but the donation piece is tricky because it runs out, you know, mm-hmm. and after a while, then who else is going to donate, you know, but, but when we create an ecosystem, then, you know, we don't have to go back again and say, oh, that's finished now, you know, obviously retaining the power and, and specifically the economic power is very important. So I'm obsessed. It's happening. I'm thrilled. It takes a lot to really put it together and get all the right people involved. And so the process is building right now, but we are Mm -hmm. every day, you know, getting more people on board and every day structuring even tighter and tighter and tighter. And this thing is going to be very powerful. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about it. I'm always appreciative to talk about it too. That's amazing. I, I just, are you, you have to be proud of yourself. Do you ever just take a second and go, you know, because you have accomplished so much and you're so giving, like, it's not just about you. Like you want Mm. everyone to feel good. And I think, I don't want you to forget that. Like, I just hope that you take those moments to be like, oh yeah, what I'm doing is really beneficial and I'm connecting with people and that's important. That's so important. Thank you. I, I thank you so much. And I have gotten much better at, doing that. And I think that's something, you know, back to, back to all of us and probably the things that we all struggle with, with just being able to, um, be, be glad for ourselves and be grateful Mm -hmm. for ourselves and, and be accepting of these compliments and things like that. So yes, I do. I do feel proud of that. I really, really do. I'm glad that's the type of person that I am. My mama made me that type of person. The first day I'll never forget. I told her I didn't want to go to my friend's party. It was the day of, and I was like, I'm not going. And she was like, would you want somebody to do that to you? And I was like, mm. And she was like, you know, you have to do, treat others how you want to be treated. And I was like, hmm. Mm. And I, that's literally <laughs> my mantra. You're like, I don't I know, like, but I guess. Mm. <laughs> I think you're kind of right. Dang. <laughs> I love that. Um, So when I announced that you were going to be on the podcast, people were freaking out on my Instagram. And so many people are like, I know this is like not the most important topic, but we got to talk about her skin because it looks so good. (laughs) And I will say my skin has been a hot ass mess during COVID. My hyperpigmentation has been like, hey, boo, what's up? It honestly, the COVID thing has set everyone back. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> myself included. I literally was like, "Um, what happened?" I was like, "Um, I really had this together like about three months ago." Yeah. What is going on? It definitely, you know, we're under a lot of stress. We're under a mm-hmm. lot of pressure, and we don't even understand. I think as women, especially, we're so good at handling pressure and stress, and we're so good at making it look like we're good. Hmm. 
which is another thing I would like to remove from the table, just, just as we're talking openly, that's another thing I'd love for us to be better at. It's like, when you're not good, just be not good, please. Mm. Because we're so good at pretending we're good. Me, I'm like a, a freaking, I'm so good at it. I don't even know. I myself yeah. don't even know, which is horrible. <laughs> Until my skin breaks out and I'm like, oh, I think I'm heavy stressed. <laughs> Hello, you know. Hello. <laughs> but I so, think one of the reasons why people want to talk about skincare is that so many women in my DMs were like, we love that Alicia just was on camera without makeup and it made us feel like it's okay that you don't always have to wear makeup on to be yourself, that you right, can be barefaced and that's fine. And, you know, I think, you know, as someone, I'm also on camera too from time to time. And it, yeah, I do yeah. get stressed. I get so nervous about like, oh, am I going to look terrible? Like, I don't think any guy who's on camera thinks about it for more than three seconds. I'm pretty sure too. Unless, unless there's some really pretty ones that they, that the yes. man, I look at them, I'm like, Jesus, how much did you actually put on, bro? <laughs> Which is fine too, because look, there's yeah. a whole culture of mm -hmm. being made up on multiple levels and I'm with, I'm with it because individual expression kind of is the point. I think that's mm -hmm. the more mm -hmm. than the makeup or the no makeup or the whatever. The point is individual expression and that everybody feels different ways at different times and everybody has different ways to express themselves. And it's unfortunate when it kind of becomes the norm that you can only express yourself in this one way to yeah. be, you know, to be considered beautiful or to be considered, mm -hmm. you know, um, commercial or to be considered whatever, which goes back to the acceptance. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. We are seeing a theme. It's so crazy mm -hmm. where we do all these things and contort ourselves in all these type of ways just to be accepted. So I think the point that you're saying that I felt too is, you know, there are going to be days you feel different ways and you would hope and you would want, we would want to normalize that, you know, on those days that maybe were, you know, less dolled up, call mm -hmm. it, that we can also just be just as accepted. And it's cool. It's not like, oh no, what happened to you today? Are you sick? Do you mm -hmm. not feel good? Are you all right? Is something, you have something? Uh, no, bro. It's <laughs> called bags and I'm sleepy. <laughs> And I ain't covered them shits because I don't care right now. You know what I mean? Please and thank you. <laughs> so that's that's the part that what we're talking about is just being mm -hmm. being able to be yourself in these different moments and, and, and people not just only seeing you on the surface, but you're seeing your spirit and seeing like underneath that. So that's so Thank you for recognizing. I definitely am excited that I'm just on the path of getting to know myself more. Mm -hmm. And what I'm realizing is that it comes in all different styles. So shoot, sometimes I'm going to be super dolled up and I don't want to hear it either. I don't want to be like, yeah. oh, Alicia, what happened? I thought you might know. Don't say nothing to me, period. Just period, please. The New York Allow is coming out. <laughs> Don't say nothing to me. <laughs> I didn't, unless I ask you, unless I ask you, how, how do you think I look? Or what do you think about mm -hmm. this outfit? Or how do you like my hair? Please. And if you don't like it, cool. But if I didn't ask you, don't volunteer it, please. I don't know. That's just how I feel because it's, people don't know how much they affect your confidence. Mm -hmm. 
They might that think, so you know, oh, but I'm your friend. I got to tell you if I think that you, okay, but do you? Or as my friend, can you actually just accept me and recognize mm-hmm. that this is how I'm expressing myself today and, and be good with that? You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know. A lot of people feel a lot of different ways. I'm sure you're going to have tons of comments. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, that's, that's, that's some of the way I feel. Yeah. Um, so before we get to audience questions, I want to talk about your skincare line and sort of what inspired you to start that and what you hope that your customers sort of uh, get out of it. First of all, this has been a true dream come mm-hmm. true because I, you know, like we were talking about, I, I've had very challenging experience with skin. Very. I don't, and a lot of people say like, what? I never knew it. But it's it it's been a real journey for me that has not been um, easy at all, and I I suffered from severe acne. I had a lot of breakouts on my skin. Um, again, I started in this this particular entertainment industry very young. I was 18 years old, mm-hmm. so it was like my skin was still kind of so confused. And then I just like started piling on a bunch of stuff for performances and lights and hmm, sweat nah, and it just, it just became cyclical and I didn't know how to fix it or change it or what. And all I could do is just keep going because what else was I to do? And it wasn't until I um, had my first baby that I was more conscious about what I was putting in my body, mm. about my water intake, about vitamins, things like that, that probably seem more obvious now because we're a little bit more like just healthy overall and maybe aware mm-hmm. overall. But for me at the beginning, I didn't, I didn't really get it. I didn't really know. And so once I started doing those things and I started to see a difference and I started to be able to even take care of my skin properly and things like that, I did start to see a difference, but it took forever, man. I was still in my thirties and still having breakouts. And look, yesterday I still have it. I'm like, can y'all, can all the pimples leave me alone, please? Leave me alone. I don't want you here anymore. <laughs> so the skincare is really uh, beautiful because I've always wanted to create something that I felt good about using. And more than that, even more than that, something that had um, a ritual attached to it, something that really started to give you the sense of how important it is to be good to yourself because that's what reflects on the outside when you're able to be good to yourself on the inside, you start to see it on the outside. And and those are the things that I recognize. That's when people started to say, wow, this year's skin looks great. Or what, what are you using? It was because I was getting more deeper into meditation. It was because I was, you know, understanding the balance between what I was eating and water and vitamins and things like that. And it was because I was giving myself space to, you know, pour into myself as opposed mm-hmm. to like being run ragged and not have one second to breathe. And these are the things that makes the key soul care because that's the name of the skincare line, which is more just soul care because it's not just about skin or hair or body or whatever. It's about, you know, the soul and how do we fill it up? So I'm so excited because it's kind of everything I believe in and feel wrapped in one. And I'm beyond excited for everybody to see it, learn more about it. And, and currently we're just building a community. So you can go to at Keys Soul Care and just join in the conversation, mm-hmm. get some good tips, figure out how to get that five minutes for yourself, what to do when you have it. It's fire. And I'm loving it. 
Yay, that's exciting. Yay. I can't wait. <laughs> okay, so we just have a few audience questions that I know we're tight on time. Um, so I'm going to just dive right in. It's a question I really love. Um, this is from Jessica, and she writes, Alicia, is there any advice your past self wouldn't have expected you to give when it comes to raising boys? Oh, Dan never was mm. asked that question. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Good job, Jess. Jess, that was you you thinking out here. Um <laughs> the so my past, is there any advice my past self I wouldn't have expected to give mm-hmm. my past self when raising boys, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. My, um, obviously, you know, you have kids and, mm-hmm. you know, you've, you've never had them before and you change in so many ways because at, before them you were so much about you and whatever has to happen for you, which is as it should be. And then you have kids and you're like, oh my gosh, they need me and something in you shifts and you realize that the whole part of your heart is like walking outside of yourself and you want to protect them and keep them safe. and And... And so you shift and you you love them and you want to make sure they're safe. And I guess one of the pieces of advice that I was actually given by my husband's mother, who raised boys as well, was that sometimes you're going to have to whoop their ass. <laughs> <laughs> and even though, you know, and I'm, and listen, let's not get it twisted. I'm not talking about child abuse. You know, let's be clear. I know everybody can take everything all out of hand. That's not Mm -hmm. what I'm saying. You have to restrain yourself. Of course, if you're feeling like to the next level and you need to walk away, that's what you need to do. We're not talking about hurting the children, but with boys specifically, you have to be strong with them because they're already a bit stronger than you. And they already Mm -hmm. have like a certain male energy that's just a little bit more just different than the feminine energy. Mm -hmm. And you have to show them early that you are the boss and there's mm. absolutely nothing that they can do that you can't defeat. You need, they Ooh. need to know you are the boss. And I, and I experienced that with my oldest, he was kind of having this like hitting attack. He would hit me every chance. Mm. He was like two and he would just wow. whap. And then he would scratch me whap. And I would have these scratches on my face. And, and my, my, um, my mother, you know, in love, we call her because she's my mother in love. She was like, no, I'm not, you didn't need to stop it right now. <laughs> so I learned that yeah. that's what has to happen sometimes. And I probably would not have thought that because it's, of course, you're like, no, I'll, I'm keeping them safe and I'm going to hold them tight forever. And sometimes you got to whack, wait a second, don't touch me. <laughs> so far, it's good. We got the respect thing all good. We're in a good place. <laughs> um, so good luck, Jessica, with that. Okay. <laughs> um, we have just time for two more questions. Is that okay? Yeah. I'm, I'm okay, having great. a ball. Okay, good. Yay. Okay. Um, so this is a question for both of us from Kirsten in San Jose. Uh, she wants to know how do we maintain a, a quality level of creativity when things feel overwhelming? I'll let you go first. Oh, wow. First of all, you're... Your community is thoughtful. I love this. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I would just say that 
two things. The first is that, yes, when things feel overwhelming, my gosh, it is really hard to continue being creative. And I think sometimes you got to just let yourself feel uncreative too. Mm, I think that mm -hmm. a healthy dose of just being as you are and not stressing it will allow it to flow back through you. And then I think after a certain amount of time, if you've noticed like, wow, I'm still not feeling creative, which was literally me during the pan the beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I was, I was like, uh, they were like, Alicia, are you like writing so many great songs? And like, what do you do? I was like, no, actually, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. So, um, and then I think the other part after you let it flow through you a little bit, um, is kind of giving yourself a little schedule, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, and you can start slow at first. I personally noticed that I needed space for myself and I didn't have it because everything was so different and I had to maintain so many different energies and then school and then my own thing and then my family thing. And it was like, I just, and then just the world is falling apart and it's great, you know, so all of it together. And then I realized if I would schedule myself even one hour where nobody, I, nobody, I didn't have to take care of anybody. Mm -hmm. Then in that hour I could journal or I could, you know, play some chords and, or maybe I felt something the other day that I wrote down briefly and I could get into it more. It just gave me some space that I didn't realize I needed. So that would be the two things. What, what would you say? I mean, those are great. I feel like for me, cause I'm such a workaholic, I'm so type A and I love having a schedule. I love packing <laughs> my day so that when COVID happened, I was like, wait, I, I have no plans. Well, you mean I have <laughs> wait, no wait. plans. Wait a minute. I, need I, mean, plans. I bought a planner from Target in January. <laughs> I filled it with plans. <laughs> and exactly. so then I had to go through a process of accepting that this is a control issue that I have and I can't control what's happening right now. And the more I tried to control it, the more upset I got, the more frustrated I got, the more I was crying. It was like, girl, you are holding on to a life that is not going to your what you thought 2020 was going to be is not going to be so right. let it go right right so that was the first step for me and I really sort of changed my mind and then the second thing was just like do things just for the joy of it without it being tied to your career so like mm -hmm. you know I, I bought um uh, $80 keyboard from Amazon and just I've been teaching myself how to play the piano. I'm not trying to get a record deal. I just, <laughs> you just need the outlet. This exactly. Is, that's good advice. That's yeah. really good. I think a lot of times we do put everything together with how successful it's going to be or mm -hmm. what we need from it. And that's really powerful. That's a good one. Yeah. So just do something just because you enjoy it. And I think that will maybe it'll lead to something creative down a path, but just be in the moment of enjoyment. That's that's incredible. That's so good. Oh, thank you. Hey, keys. Okay, yes. so we have <laughs> we have one last question. This is from Delina in Harlem, um, and she's a little greedy, so she has two questions in one. First <laughs> is <laughs> she wants to know um, about your hair journey and the decision to wear braids when you were first on the scene to now where you're rocking all sorts of styles. Is um, the way you wear your hair informed by what's going on in your life? And then the second question is, have you always been this calm? Do you ever turn up? You have such a chill, soothing vibe. Was that something you had to learn? <laughs> okay, that's good. So the hair journey piece, that's really a beautiful question as well. Mm -hmm. I, I, 
love my braids with all my heart and I love how they make me feel and I feel so beautiful when I wear braids. Um, so that was that was definitely a defining moment, moment for me, especially in the beginning, just because that's what I've that's what I've always loved. And then for for it to be such a definition of my artistry as well and just just all of it and how it goes back to our ancestry and even some of the most profound musicians in our times, you know, always had gorgeous braids. So I just felt like it just feels so right inside of me. And even to this day, I'm always trying to figure out how to braid up something. I'm like, even if it's just a braid over here, can I get a braid around here? It's to a braid in the middle. Something is, is, and, and, and so do I wear my hair in a way that reflects how I feel for sure. It definitely reflects how I feel and it reflects what I'm trying to project and things like that. And I think that's just natural for all of us. Mm -hmm. You know, you go through phases and places and you find what you feel good in, in that moment. Um, and then in regards to the calm, <laughs> a lot of people tell me this all the time and they're like, dag, you just super zen. Like, could you do a, a calm app or something? Like, could you do one of those <laughs> meditations for me? And I think it's a great idea. So I'm probably going to be doing that. But Honestly, I have always had to be quite calm because I was raised by a single mother mm -hmm. and my mother is, you know, a hero and a shero. And she did everything that she possibly could to give me every opportunity that she possibly could in a dark, dismal city that could have definitely spit us both up and chewed us both mm -hmm. out, chewed us up and then spit us out. Um, and so she had a certain level of, of emotion and turn upness yeah. <laughs> that was enough for both of us. And so <laughs> because of that, I always had to be quite level-headed and very like able to calmly assess all situations and come up with some type of resolution. So I've always kind of had to have that demeanor just in order to survive, mm. literally. So yeah. that has helped me, and I think in a lot of ways, because even in a very high pressure filled business and starting out so young, um, it gave me a certain just ability to see what's happening and see the chaos and be able to like sort my way through it. So it is very rare that you catch me yelling. If you if I'm yelling or I'm pissed off at you, most people are terrified. They're like, oh, my <laughs> Oh my, this has, I've never seen this. This is crazy. <laughs> so usually it's a good sign that I'm smiling and calm and Zen and feeling good. But yeah, you know, I think that's part of what the Alicia album is about actually just mm -hmm. getting more comfortable with all the sides and even those that super outrage side or that part that flies off the handle and is out of control. These pieces that I'm not as familiar with is part of what I want to keep exploring for sure. And before we wrap up, I have one more answer mm -hmm. for Jess, because oh, maybe okay, that first yes. one was a little harsh. I'm not sure what she's looking for, <laughs> but it's true. And, and you need to know that. So I'm glad we talked about it. But the other piece that I'd say that I maybe didn't realize that now I do is you have to protect their individuality. Because I mm -hmm. found that with boys specifically, there's such a, a, a small... Um, there's a huge expectation for what boys and men are supposed to feel and do and look like and dress and express. And it's often, you know, very, very limiting and, mm -hmm. and really unrealistic and, and very sad because 
so many men have this feeling about the femininity that exists in all of us. Mm -hmm. And so many men will be very uncomfortable if a boy is expressing the femininity in himself in any way, which happens to all boys and all people all the time. As any man, they'll tell you, oh, well, I wore my mother's heels and I kind of was like interested in sports. Every person goes through this. It's not some abnormality. It's normal. And I think that I've, I've had to learn how to protect their space. I've even had to tell like their grandfather or like a person very close to them. I'm like, I don't want to hear that type of reference. Like, mm-hmm. do not speak to them about that, please. When it has yeah. to do with like, oh, you, you, you're soft because you're doing the whatever or you, you know, and, and I've had to literally protect that. I'm like, nobody can talk to my boys like that. Please, yeah. if you have that feeling, you might need to head out because that's not what's happening over here. So I've had to be very fierce like that just to protect their space so they don't feel uncomfortable with mm. however they're feeling at the time, which is usually just a phase and just a, a thing that all boys are going through to figure out like, hmm, do I like this? Do I like that? What's this? What's this mean? Yeah. So that's that's another kind of interesting, interesting one that maybe I didn't realize before having boys. Ooh, that was great. Alicia, this has truly, my skin has cleared up. (laughs) I have paid my taxes for 2022 already. Yes. Yes. I am now a B cup. I've been an A cup my entire life. I'm now a B cup because of this conversation. (laughs) You are filled. I'm filled too. Thank you so much. That was so good. I love talking to you. Thank you for everything you're up to and everything that you're putting into the world. It is fire. And I'm so glad that we could connect. This has been great. Oh, thank you. And I wish you all the best in the world. Your album is incredible. I play it every single day. I love Alicia. So just I need more music when you have time. Oh, it's when coming. Time. It's coming. Yeah. I got I got the next one. It's brewing. I can't wait to talk to you about it soon, too. It's good. Nice. Awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you for everything and have an amazing rest of your day. You too. Good talking to you. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bake Off, was that not the most rejuvenating conversation you've heard all week? Like you said, I think I've gone from an A cup to a B cup (laughs) just because I'm so full. (laughs) (laughs) the sun shining in and just reflecting the like it's just glorious like image i'm like if i could have that face for like a month right i would be banging everyone oh i'd be like babe let's take a break (laughs) (laughs) so you're basically saying if you're alicia keys you'd just be banging everyone (laughs) maybe not if I was that talented and looked that beautiful, <laughs> I'd be like, here's my list of sausage. <laughs> Time to get to work, universe. <laughs> universe is like, all these dudes are married with yeah. families. Yeah. Copy that universe. <laughs> but in all seriousness, yeah, it was just like so heartwarming and so special. And it was it's really cool to have those moments where people that you look up to and admire, you end up meeting. Mm-hmm. All these years later. And they're lovely. I know. Like, she's cool. She's not mm-hmm. trash. It's like, ah! Okay, <laughs> so, A-Keys, I can't wait to see you again um, and interview you and just talk about how your life is 
she's the best. Um, and I have decided I'm, I am going to retire from music. It's been a long career. <laughs> well, a lot of achievements to acknowledge. Um, I got a Juno Award. Isn't that something in the in, in Europe? So <laughs> it's time to hang up the keys. I have twelve Grammys. Really? Mm-hmm. Twelve mm-hmm. for one album. Mm-hmm. Wow, twelve Grammys for one album. Like everyone's like, "Oh my God, Billie Eilish!" Like so many albums and so many Grammys in one year. I'm like, I have twelve. Right. Gonna be inducted into the Rock we, and we, Roll. We don't need to go further. I'm getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame next year. We can just leave it as so many achievements, <laughs> such a long career, <laughs> and it's time to like move on to the next project. I'm just saying, 2021, come to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland for my induction. I've been there so many times. <laughs> <laughs> Who who should in, induct me into the Hall of Fame? Bono. Who else? Oh yeah, that'd be cute. Yeah, Bono would be like, "How did you get this? Yeah, who did like, you pay? <laughs> you have to be in music for twenty five years, and I'm already yeah. just like, I'm good. Nailed I th- it. I thought about writing an album. <laughs> I'm good. Didn't record it. No. <laughs> okay, you guys. Before we get out of here. We got to do our black owned business shout out. As you guys know, we're independent, honey. We're not taking dollars from the man. Okay. Okay. We're not over here like, oh, smart water. Where's your cash? We ain't no Donald Trump in it. Yeah. Taking money left, right and center. (laughs) (laughs) And so this week. I want to shout out this jewelry that I did this. Um, I did this uh, Facebook live. What was it? Two weeks ago already? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. It's called the black black Friday show. And it's doing one show in September, October and November um, supporting small black businesses. And I did this interview with uh, this brand called Benoni. And this is the ring. I like very simple rings jewelry. And so this is something that I wear every day now, just walking around. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going from, mm-hmm. Bedroom, bathroom, bedroom, living room, bathroom, living room, bedroom, bathroom, living room, bedroom. You missed a play there. What? You should have just said bedroom, bathroom, and beyond. Oh! We got a writer over here, (laughs) Ernest Hemingway. (laughs) Who wrote Moby Dick? That guy. <laughs> uh, British Bake Off's Bangers and Mash is coming soon, <laughs> wherever you listen. It's not. <laughs> we have a lot of fake projects. Oh, that's a good one, though. Brit- British Bake Off's Bangers and Mash coming soon. <laughs> coming in your ears. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Okay, let's get back to this. Okay, the point is Benoni has great jewelry. I love it. Um, and so I wanted to shout it out because I'm so obsessed. I'm going to buy some more. Um, so you can follow this brand um, on Instagram. So you know what that means. 
The link's in the description below. It's time for me to spell it out. Oh. Okay. B as in boss. I would have gone Bono. E as in embers, like from a flame. Right. N as in uh, <clears throat> nocturnal. Mm. O as in oblivious. N as in nunchucks. <laughs> nunchucks. <laughs> okay, carry on. I as in identity politics. <laughs> that was a fucking stretch. <laughs> J as in jambalaya. <laughs> <laughs> E as an envelope, W as in Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire, Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce. E as in elegant. L as in look lumbar. At, I was gonna say, look at all your Emmys. <laughs> <laughs> R as in Roomba and Y as in yoga. So <laughs> to repeat, that no. is <laughs> No. We got it. Are you sure? 100%. I, everyone listening at home, did you get this? I, I don't want you to be confused. Look up Benoni jewelry. It's so cute. You're going to love it. Support that black owned business, baby. It's time for credits, y'all. <laughs> Guys, I don't drink. But it's every episode sound like I've had a boozy lunch. Yeah. Or just like done a ton of cocaine. Anyway, hosted by Phoebe Robinson. Produced by Phoebe Robinson, British Bake Off. Edited by British Bake Off theme song by Gavin Turek interns Sasha and Malia Obama one day I'm speaking into existence they're going to intern for me after they're done with college right 